all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm one of your hosts, Teacup, otherwise known as Austin. And with me, as always, is my other host, Sheikup, otherwise known as Shelby. <laughs> totally Shelby. Totally Austin. <laughs> so, are you ready to talk about some Dragon Age today? Always ready to talk about Dragon Age. Literally anytime, anywhere. I think we have something very cute and very fun and surprisingly lore-heavy topic to talk about tonight. Do you want to talk about the cute and adorable, in all three games, little nugs? Did you bring any fun facts for us? Yes, I love nugs. Me too. Nugs are adorable. And there are so many different kinds of nugs. Always, always have fun facts. There's quite a few fun facts about nugs, actually, for something that the average player could probably ignore in their playthrough if they wanted to, aside from crafting. But the first fun fact about a nug is what they are. They're little animals that are typically found in the deep roads and in the underground areas of Thetis. They're usually hairless or they're hairless and usually blind, like a cross between a naked mole rat and a raccoon. They kind of got like some rabbit back leg looking things too. And after the hero Ferelden gives Leliana a pet nug in Dragon Age Origins, she continues to keep them as pets. She named the first one Schmooples, and then she had one named Boulette, Schmooples 2, which was the child of Schmooples, and Schmooples continues. I feel like that's her favorite name for her nugs. She ends up breeding them, I think, in Dragon Age Inquisition. Mm-hmm. You find a letter that explains what all of her little nugs have been up to. <laughs> so funny. I love it. She's like the nug lady instead of a cat lady. The dwarven nickname for nugs is the mud splashers so i guess they're also kind of pig-like in that they splash around in mud makes one wonder how much mud is found in the deep roads a lot yeah but like mud normally animals use it as like a sunscreen and you wouldn't need that in the deep roads so who knows maybe they just like being dirty all right this one's good so if the hero Ferelden goes to the pearl brothel in denerim you can ask the proprietor to surprise me, and you have the chance to wake up next to two nugs. Oh, wait, whoa, no, yick. Yeah, I know. I'm like, bestiality? I like, oh, let's just imagine that you needed a good cuddle, and it has no sex at all. It's just a good cuddle with some two nugs. Because I've done the surprise me, and I woke up next to an elf man and a human woman, which was funny for my little dwarf to be in between the two of (laughs) 
Nice little sandwich. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the surprise you would expect at the Pearl, I think. Not two nugs. And then, this is funny, Kirkwall declared the nug to be a noxious vermin in 520 Exalted because they were afraid they carried the blight. And the, the process of extermination was known as the Battles of Squealing Plains, which is horrible. Oh, sad. Poor nugs. I feel like they just exist to be killed in this, in this entire game series. I never kill them. Like, it's always an accident if I if they die around me. And then also, Tuskets are related to Nugs. They kind of vaguely look Nug-related, I guess. But they have Tusks, as their name implies. Um, so, cool. According to Cole, when a Nug nuzzles a person's hand, that is the Nug's way of saying that person is their friend. Which is super cute. Aww. I love that. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a bunch of different colors of nugs. Like, I think when I think of a nug, I think of a pink one. But I guess in the Emerald Graves in Dragon Age Inquisition, you can find brown nugs, which is cool. And I think there's also, like, different, like, a kind of like a cow, like a black and white looking nug or, like, speckled. I've seen that, too. Wasn't schmooples that way? I don't know. Do we ever see schmooples? We see the original when we give him when we give him over to Laliana, mm-hmm. but I think he's just the standard uh, piggy pink. Yeah, piggy pink. Because earlier, when you say when you said earlier, it's like a cross between a naked mole rat and a raccoon. I've always thought of them as naked roll mat, <laughs> naked mole rat, but piglet sized. Yeah, they're definitely. I always, I think of them as like pig rabbits because they're pig colored and like pig sized and kind of have like a pig way about them, but they have like short little rabbit ears and like rabbit back legs and they kind of move like a rabbit to me. So mm. I don't know. I think of them as pig rabbits. <laughs> yes. We all think of them differently. They're, they're just nugs and nugs have a legendary digestive system because they apparently can eat almost anything which is probably what allows them to eat metal because they apparently can eat metal, which is crazy. I don't understand how that works, but they must play some important role in like the ecosystem. They're like fungi or bacteria, and yet they're animals breaking down everything. They are the first recyclers. There are many weapons and accessories throughout the three Dragon Age games that can reference Nugs. Some include Brass Nug Charm, Gauntlets of the Nug, Nug Crusher, horrible, Nug Totem. Nugs are eternal. Hmm. That's a lot of fun little cute facts about our little Nuglets. Nugatinas. Is that a good one for like a little female Nug? I don't know. Let's get into their history and appearances throughout the games. Uh, I believe that they're probably, they've got to be mentioned in the comic books as well, right? There's got to be little nuggies in there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I have to read a bunch of them. Oh. Um, me, SheCup has told, told me, SheCup, to read them so many times and I still need to. <laughs> If your own brain is yelling at you to do something, you should probably go do the thing your brain is telling you to do, She Cup. 
Read the inheritance cycle. (laughs) Read Aragorn (laughs) books. That one I... Yes. As I, your husband Austin, am telling you to do. Go read the inheritance cycle, Shelby. (laughs) Okay, husband. (laughs) Mm. Okay. Their history and appearance... Nugs are pretty harmless to people, at least. They are omnivores and will eat pretty much anything they find, including, but not limited to, insects, worms, and even limestone and other metals. In Orzammar, nugs are commonly domesticated and kept as pets. But at the same time, they are also a very important source of food for dwarves. I don't know how I feel about people eating their pets. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, maybe it's, like, cows, but then I'm like, well, most people don't keep cows as pets, and people who eat cows usually don't name them. I Maybe, like, but... chickens? Because I know a lot of people who, yeah. you know, like, have chickens as pets, but then they also harvest them. I'm sad. Oh, gosh, and now I'm about to tell you what type of food the, the nug dishes are. <laughs> Uh, So if we decide... Nug cuisine. uh, If we decide to eat our nugs, they can be turned into nug pancakes. Or nuggets. Nuggets. (laughs) Um, mm, Now this one, an oven roasted nug with deep mushroom cream sauce. Yes. I am all for that. I love a mushroom cream sauce. Does it glow like the deep mushrooms do? Um, I hope not. Or does that glow get cooked out? <laughs> and I hope it's not actually like mushrooms from the deep, because I wouldn't want to re- eat, really eat anything that grows in the deep roads. Mm, I mean, I guess if you're a dwarf living in Orzammar, you don't have a choice. <laughs> that is valid. They are so important as a food source that the dwarf who discovered they were edible was made a paragon. I would hate to be the first person to ever eat a new food. But yes, uh, quote, mm-hmm. quote directly from the Codex in Praise of the Humble Nug from Dragon Age Origins. I once served a human some nug and he proclaimed that it was like eating an unholy union of pork and hair. Hair. Oh my gosh, I was right. <laughs> yeah. Hair as in like... Cake and rabbit. It, yep, hair as in rabbit, not like your head hair. The idea disturbed him so much that when he declined to finish his serving, and he made himself content with some stale bread... Of course, this one goes to show that surfacers, human or otherwise have tragically unrefined palates. The nug is surely the most delicious animal I have ever tasted. Only a dead man would not salivate at the thought of a tender morsel of roast nug melting in his mouth. The paragon Varen, although his house has fallen, shall always be remembered for discovering the wonders of nug flesh. But wait, hold up. I have to take a Mass Effect moment here. Varen? Mm-hmm. The Varen is what found out about nugs being edible? Of course they would. 
for those of you who don't know, Varens and Mass Effect are basically space dogs. Overgrown, vicious, tusked things. Good on you, Bioware. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. They look like they would be the natural predator for a Nug, so makes yep. total sense. And also, <laughs> Nug flesh just made me think like Urukai man flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Barfy. Yeah. I don't think uh, pork and hair is an unholy union, but I mean, I to each your own. I don't think I've had that combo. I rarely eat rabbit to begin with, so... Yeah, I don't think I've ever eaten rabbit. My rabbit is listening right now. I think he would be very offended if I said I ate a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. In Origins, a couple more things about their history. In Origins, the Warden encounters many nugs throughout the commons and can participate in a side quest of catching said nugs in order to help the nug wrangler Boromore. You can also get a cute nug from a dwarf in Dust Town, which is a gift for Leliana, and she proceeds to name the cute nug Schmooples. And that is where we have the origin of the long line of Leliana nugs. Lely nugs. I just think it's funny that it's called cute nug because that implies there's an ugly nug somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're all cute to me, but I also think like, Velociraptors are cute, <laughs> just objectively. Space chicken boyfriend. <laughs> Space chickens, especially cute. Uh, well, Shelby, how about we go to a mid-break? Okay, Austin. <laughs> Sounds good. Yes, that's right. I stopped you to tell you that I'm an idiot. Whew. Thank the maker you know already. Now I can stop worrying, I'll be found out. Do try to have fun, dear. You could have been one of the Chargers, Blackwall. You've got the stature, the attitude. And you'd be my boss. Hey, I'm a great boss. I'm a firm believer in No Pants Fridays. I'd rather fight for a cause. Hey, No Pants Fridays is a cause. I mean, this is where I would normally say mid-break dance. Mm -hmm. Because I really am Genesis. <laughs> Happy Halloween! We decided to do a Spooktober show swap. So you are here listening to Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast. Austin and Shelby decided to, we, the four of us got together, collusion style, and decided to take over each other's shows for an episode. A little while ago, they recorded an episode of Two Girls, One Ship about Isabella and did her complete and total romance breakdown. And so now the two girls are taking over the Dragon Age lore cast to talk about little nuggies because they're so cute. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now that I'm bravada again, I can say <laughs> that Nug is the nickname I call my kid. So when I hear the word Nug now, I'm just like, oh, they're all cute. I love the nugs. I love my nug. Yeah. So hopefully you guys weren't too confused. I bet we were indistinguishable from Austin and Shelby. I mean, I could start throwing a little bit more y'all in here and mm -hmm. I could probably adopt a twang. I need to sigh at you more and like audibly roll my eyes. <laughs> Hilarious. But 
I will also say that somebody very, very important to talk about tonight, today, tonight, tomorrow, whenever we are, is the Nug King. So the Nug King is actually one of the Patreon tiers for the Dragon Age Lorecast. And so Lewis H., you and I, Genesis and Lewis, have met on one of the Patreon chats. So I'm here to shout you out because you're that freaking awesome, dude. You rock major props. Uh, there's also, I have met Lisa M. I have definitely met myself on more than one occasion. And Derek B. Those are the names that uh, get shouted out in every episode because they were the some of the very first patrons to join the Dragon Age Lorecast Patreon. Yeah, if you haven't joined their Patreon, me. Why haven't you? <laughs> For me, it's because I'm poor. But I love this channel and this podcast. So if you have extra money and want to support them, you should give it to them because they deserve it. Mm -hmm. And then they could keep bringing you more nugtastic content. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, let's get back into it and start talking. We'll move the timeline forward and start talking about nugs and inquisition right after this. Beg that I succeed, for I have seen the throne of the gods and it was empty. Your glibness does you no credit. You fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is bad. It's time to talk about the Nugs in Dragon Age Inquisition, which there are only a few, unfortunately. Most of them are just passive creatures roaming around the landscape that you can kill slash hunt or accidentally kill if you're me because I don't want to kill the Nugs. They're cute. You can use their skin, called Nug Skin, really creative, for crafting. Um, and it's kind of, at least from what I remember when I was crafting armor, it's kind of like a light bluish tint looking thing. It's really pretty, actually, on armor. And then the one exception to this is in the Descent DLC, which is very awesome, very lore heavy. You must play all the DLC. During this DLC, the Inquisitors subsequent descent into the deep roads you can find different poems written by paragon ebrian ebrian ooh a word i don't know how to say about something called the nug king da, da, da. if you follow these poems the inquisitor can travel to a tucked away cavern where you see just hordes of nugs jumping across it's like nugopolis you can meet the one and only Nug King. After gifting him with a wheel of cheese, the Nug King will comically judge the Inquisitor with regal squeaks while a tribe of Nugs look on. Squeaks? Regally. I don't... And like... <laughs> squeaks mm. regally. I, I don't even think I can make a regal squeak, but I also have to know, <laughs> does Lewis like cheese? And can we send him a wheel of cheese? Mm-hmm. Yes, which wheel of cheese would you prefer, Nug King Lewis? And also, not Nug King Lewis, but the Nug King in the Deep Roads, in the Descent DLC. The fact that he can royally squeak and judge you, does that imply that this Nug is sentient? This Nug is capable of complex thought? I mean, I... Well, how else do you become a king? 
you have to have a royal bloodline or or something. So there has to be some form of lineage. And in order to decide that, uh, yeah, I bet you that there is like, there's got to be. He's got to be a smart little, a little, little nug. Yeah. Big nug. Yeah. It's like to be in power, you either have to be like, oh, God says I should be, or you just conquer everybody and make yourself. So, or in the case of nugs, what I think happened is he literally is just the smartest nug and the rest of them are like, okay, they don't even have the wits to like compete for rule. (laughs) They're just like going with the flow. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he's got the whole tribe that's looking on, looking up at him. I wonder if he has a Nug army. I bet yeah. you that would be his little army. That's the the battle Nug. Oh, the... I mean, why do they call it a battle Nug? I mean, we're going to get to that. But <laughs> my thing is, is, why is it called a battle Nug if Nugs don't have war? Or are we using the Nug for war? Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's what we do. We take an animal, we domesticate it, and then we figure out ways to put it in various situations hmm there's a good looking horse let's breed it so that way we can ride them into battle or breed them enough to make it so that way they can carry our heavy carts and loads for us and then in some cultures hey let's breed them so that way they produce really good meat and eat them yep (sighs) all right so let's move on to oh yeah horses are also used for racing so of course so are nugs Nug racing is very popular among the lower caste of dwarves. And just like the provings that are very popular along the noble caste. Oi. I don't know if I like that. Because the proving grounds are where two dwarves battle it out to the almost death. Nug racing can't be too far away. Yeah, I guess that means they look at the lower castes as nugs. Uh. Or as just as good as a nug. Which is sad. Uh, there are nug breeders, and they make sure that the nugs grow large enough, but with little fat. So, oh, this is more like dog fighting. That's what that sounds like to me. Or dog racing. Mm. Or both. Yeah. Oh, like greyhounds. Yeah. Greyhound racing. Okay. So there are special tunnels uh, built so that way viewers can watch the race from above. Uh, like a rat race. Nugs not fed for a day or so, then given roasted roof beetles as they run for the beetles throughout the tunnels. Go find the cheese, little rat. (laughs) The nugs are also painted with house symbols. That makes sense. You've got to be able to track which one is yours. Oh, and then after the nugs can no longer race, they are eaten. That part doesn't make sense to me. Like... I get maybe you just can't waste things, but at, after racing like that and being starved, which first of all, me V used to work in an animal shelter and is like still a very big volunteer at my local animal shelter. So first of all, animal racing like this, no, and animal fighting too. I know we're, we didn't talk about nug fighting, although I'd be amazed if nug fighting doesn't exist also. So all that bad. Like, eating them at the end, they probably don't taste very good, like, just from a practical standpoint. Oh, yeah. They're probably older. It seems weird that they would do that, unless they're, like, that bad off in Orzammar or something, that they need every bit of nug meat they can get. Or maybe nugs still taste good at the end, because they're delicious pork hair. 
I could see that. And especially from like an actual food standpoint, uh, you don't want to eat an animal that has been working. You want the soft, mm-hmm. you know, not muscled up meat. You want it to be. That's why foie gras is so good because yeah. they are fat or <laughs> why go beef. That's just something I know from I have friends that like grew up on farms and had chickens. I'm a city girl, so didn't I have no experience with this, but anecdotally people I'd be like, Oh, don't you do you eat the chickens like when they can't eat lay eggs anymore, for instance? And everyone I've talked to that grew up like that says no, that they would taste really bad because they're like older and that's just yeah. what you wouldn't do. So I assume it'd be the same with nugs, but whatever. Anyway, sad. Even if nugs are stupid, they don't deserve to be like exploited like this. Especially the starving and forced to run. Who wants to run when they're hungry? Uh, do you want to start talking about the different kinds of nugs and their nug families? Yes. We kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but nugs are like a wider family and there are several other species of animals that are related to them. So like we said earlier, the tuskets, they're for sure related because when you kill one, they'll drop nug skin. And the best one is the nugalopes. And the nugalopes are what we talked about earlier. Like one of them is the battle nug in Dragon Age Inquisition that you can ride. They are way bigger than your normal nug because you can ride them. And they also have tusks they were like antlers nugalopes were considered a creature of myth until very recently despite the fact that references to the creature existed before the divine age so they are roughly the 10 times the size of an original nug and their horns kind of look like um like a mountain ram's horns that kind of curl around their head a little bit and they come in a variety of colors, unlike the regular nug. I swear they have different colored nugs, though, but I might be making that up. Anyway, trust the Dragon Age lore cast to have done the research. Nugalopes can be gray, purple, brown, or yellow, and they often have stripes. And they have... This part's gross. They also have, like, these weird hands with fingies, like regular nugs, but they're disgusting given their size, so they kind of, like look like gorillas kind of with their front legs and their hands like curled under. It's just, I don't like that. So also that makes me think that the battle nug can rear up and just like punch people with their weird hands. (laughs) I don't like that image at all. That's terrifying. And finally in Valroyo, there is a merchant named Daraborum. Daraborum. I don't know how to say that. There's a merchant in Valroyo. He only has one box in his shop for sale. It is the mystery box, and it costs 10,000 coins. That's a lot of schmeckles. And the description just says, so mysterious. And the merchant also looks down on you and doesn't want to sell you the item, and he doesn't tell you what's in the box because I guess that's just a sales tactic. And if you buy it, it reveals a golden nug statue. And when you interact with it, It triggers the war table operation, the big one. When you finish this, you unlock five Nuggalope mounts, including one named Tittles Majoris, the Greater Nuggalope. And yeah, one of them is called Battle Nug, I think, which I thought that was hilarious. Battle Nug is just such a good phrase. 
So I've definitely done this, and this Tittles Majoris is my mount in Inquisition. I mean, I rarely get on the horse to begin with, um, but there's something just so hilarious about my Kunari being on a giant nug. And Tittles. Mm Mm-hmm. I, as a Dalish elf, feel like I have to ride the... They're not Hala, are they? Or they look like Hala. Yeah. They're like the giant... Yeah. I can't remember what they call them in Dragon Age. My husband calls them the War Mooses. But yeah, I think that's what the size of a Hala should be. Because whenever I first saw them in the game, they're like really small. I'm like, how do they pull the Aravels? They're so tiny. Not even pony-sized. And then they talk about the elves riding the Hala into battle. And I'm like... That's what I imagined. These giant elk things, not the tiny white little, like... Deer. Big dog. Yeah, like deer. Yeah, they're like deer-sized. Like, did elves grow since the quickening? Were they a lot smaller before? Because I don't know how they rode Hala otherwise. No, I think that the Hala were probably elk or moose-sized to begin with. And then after everything, that they started getting smaller. But then there's the Hala in Origins... That is like super sick, and the elf standing next to her, the hall is bigger than her. Yeah, I feel like other than that one, most of them look so small. In the pen, yeah. in the Dalish camp, and origins, and then like at the one camp in the, it's not the Emerald Graves, Exalted Plains in, in Inquisition. You can see a couple hala, and there, and you can go right up to them, and they're so small. Yeah, but then you go and save the White Hala, and he's huge. You bring the White Hala back to the Dalish camp. I don't remember him being huge. I thought he was the same size. Mm. Aren't they all white, and that one was the golden? Oh, was... yeah. Okay. <laughs> we go from... <laughs> this is how we're giving ourselves away as not the Laura cast hosts. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, not actually on top but of it. But this is also how we're giving ourselves away, that it's a two girls, one tangent. <laughs> because we're here for Nuglor and somehow we are talking about the size of deer (laughs) yeah the cups stayed much more on topic in our episode yeah that's half the fun it is okay so we have a side character to talk about and I think that they definitely picked this one just for us because the name the voice actor it's all perfect So, Shelby, who's our side character for today? Our side character is somewhat obscure. We do meet him in game, but it's in a DLC. The DLC is Leliana's song. And it's one of Leliana's bard companions named Tug. Who is Tug voiced by? (sighs) The one and only Mark Mir. Shepherd. <laughs> I should go. Well, bang, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, for those of you too young to know what YouTube poop is, you should look it up. So, <laughs> Tug is a castless dwarf who has made his way to the surface. So, yeah, that's pretty quick how you become kicked out of everything, too, being a surface dwarf. He is brash and cunning, but also secretive and fiercely loyal to his friends especially Leliana and their other friend, an elf named Sketch, which I I love their names, Tug and Sketch. According to Leliana, Tug never shared his past or maintained any links to his past. 
She has attempted to look and make connections previously, but she's always failed in this endeavor. But throughout their years running around together, she did find two clues to Tug's background. First is a dwarven phrase on his weapon. It says, the stone lives beneath Orle. And the second is similar. It says, I regret the sacrifice of my kin, but it means we will find our way home. Aww. The stone lives beneath Orle. And I regret the sacrifice of my kin, but it means we will find our way home. I feel like the stone lives beneath Orle could be easy. Like, just there's some old dwarf city under there, or a giant site, something important to the dwarves. But, like, the other one, I don't know. Um, it could be along the lines of to find our way home, like to find, to get dwarves back at the peak of their society. It's going to take a lot of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking the sacrifice of my kin. Cause when the dark spawn first started to spread, they had to shut off portions of the deep roads mm. and like section off old dwarven cities. So I wonder if Tug's ancestor, maybe that maybe it's an ancestral weapon or something like was one of those people. Maybe he, comes from some royal lineage or something that had to make that decision or maybe he was a part of it like in the military or something I don't know you know what I mean like because they felt like they had to do that to save the dwarves that could be we will find our way home trying Mm -hmm. to cut off the dark spawn I don't really know there's like a whole I'm sure they've already done episodes on the whole like backstory with dark spawn and the dwarves and the deep roads yeah they haven't already they will I'm sure (laughs) Yeah, I think it does definitely mean, like, we have to make sacrifices now in order for us to prosper in the future. Isn't that just always the case with the dwarves, too? I want to know, Shelby, when you're listening to this, we need to talk about Rings of Power and Kaza Doom, because I thought of you the entire time I was watching that. So, yeah, that's side <laughs> Lord of the Rings related. But, you know, what? when were we talking about this? I can't remember when we were talking about this, where she said dwarves never have society. Like they're always at the, like they're always homeless or their, their society has fallen ages ago. That's what I loved about Rings of Power because you got to see, well, in Lord of the Rings, you know, it as Moria, like at its height before the Balrog came through and fucked everything up. So it was amazing. It was like the first time you got to see dwarves live in their best life. Mm, mm-hmm. And then I thought of Shelby because we were talking about that. And she was talking about she wants, like, dwarven love. And there was a lot of that in there. So if she hasn't seen it, she should. It was great. It's all good. Um, but let's get back to Tug. Let's get back to tugging. No, hold on. That's not right. Uh, let's Talking go- about Tug? Yeah. <laughs> tugging about talk? Tug? Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> tugging about talks. Let's do it. Um <laughs> Tug's castless tattoo is unlike any other castless tattoo we've seen in the games. But I guarantee you it looks nothing like my castless tattoo. Okay, so fun little gen fact here. When I first started playing Origins, I saved it one way. And then I went back and I came back to the game like a couple months later. And uh, something corrupted in my save file. To where my poor, poor, sweet little castless dwarven uh, warrior 
has a tattoo across her forehead that says, Legacy Tattoo Asset. Do not use. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. So in all of my cutscenes, in all of my dialogue, everything, because of my hairstyle, across my forehead reads the words, Legacy Ass. <laughs> Do not use. I believe I have a. Do you have a legacy ass? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes, it's the best. So, I feel you, Tug. I too have a unique castless tattoo. Liliana has never been able to find Tug's family name, and that makes sense. It's probably very difficult to track castless names like that. But let me read off the codex entry on Tug. I remember. I remember Tug. Tug was a dwarf with few words for strangers and choice words for friends. He was a strange fit in Orlay, but he never offered a reason for why he left his home. I had accepted his company and his friendship, knowing he would share what he wanted in his own good time. He laughed when I first asked about silk kerchiefs. We'd be in some noble's vault pickpocketing gems, and Tug would be rummaging the linens. They were his practical luxury, because one can never be sure of toiletries while traveling. He once said, far too loudly, that he'd soiled himself and lost his calluses. <sighs> nope. No, he once said, himself. yeah, I know. He's spo- <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, that reads a lot different when you change that word. Yeah. He once said, far too loudly, that he'd spoiled himself and lost his calluses but I suspect that may have been first Sketch's blanching reaction. Where is the callus? <laughs> On your hands. Like, your weapon hands. I know, but he says lost his callus, like, singular. Who has just one? Oh, or maybe that's, like, the callus on, like, your heart. Because you let your walls down mm. and your guard. Or maybe he got a callus on his bum bum and he's been wiping with silk linens and and well linen and silk are two different things but you know what i mean Mm. he's gotten used to the soft good life now he can't go back to using leaves and bark or whatever else you have to use on the road oh yeah because one can never be sure of the toiletries while traveling yeah yeah (laughs) at least i'll held ken in that because that's funny and also maybe you know it's probably hard to figure out their name because i doubt sketch and tug are their real names that just doesn't they sound so out of place compared to everyone else's name. It has to be like just nicknames they gave themselves. Wouldn't be surprised if they've got past they're running from anyway. But um, yeah, so one of the reasons that maybe Leliana's returns again and again to look for Tug's family is because Tug dies during the DLC. Spoiler alert. He is captured and killed by Marjolin and her associate Harwin Raleigh. According to Sketch, his death was because he was constantly talking in an effort to distract the guard and to protect Sketch, which is sad. So, rest in power, Tug. In memory of Tug, every year Leliana drinks a bottle of distilled and teven plum brandy and pours a glass into the stone. I wonder if that was his favorite. She says, Astrast Tuncha Salroka, as she does this. 
And apparently that translates to a formal goodbye that means something along the lines of, may you always find your way in the dark, friend. And the linguist in me wants to know how you can fit that much into three words. I want to know the dwarven language. That sounds fun. Mm. Hope you're doing good, Tug. Yeah, so now my, my, yeah. Mm. Astarash. Tunsha. Saroka. Yeah, I could see that those words could be done a little bit differently. And may you always find your way in the dark, friend, is just a very flowery way of saying something like that. So... Saroka has to be friend. One of the words has to be friend. And then the other two are the may you always find your way in the dark part. That's just how language works. And it doesn't have to be in the same order. Who knows? Not every language puts their... Right. Particles in the same place and sentence structure and all that. Plus, you can combine things and stack things. And who knows what the grammar rules are of Dorvish. <laughs> but interesting. I wonder if anyone knows it anymore, really, though. It's not like you ever hear dwarves really speaking it. Oh, yeah. Do we even know what language that is? Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that it's some kind of Dorvish because if it's a formal goodbye... And you may you find your way in the dark. That just sounds like something a dwarf would say, because that's a very important thing to a dwarf is finding your way in the dark. Mm. So culturally makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just meant like in the game, it's not like we ever hear that dwarves speak dwarvish to each other. The elves have mostly forgotten their elven language, aside from the Dalish who try to like cling to stuff. But everyone seems to speak the same language with accents. (laughs) Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have any... I think that's our fifth tangent. <laughs> Do you have any additional thoughts on nugs or tugs? Ha, tug and nug, nug and tug. Well, I think I remember playing this DLC, and I was so sad that Tug died. Like, thank you, Bioware, once again, for making us get attached to somebody just to take him away. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, also nugs. I will be the first to say let us start a petition for nug rights because i want to end nug racing in orzammar that's my new political stance no more nug racing and no more varen pit fighting yeah that too (sighs) we can do better dwarves and krogan (laughs) i'm sure you've heard the theory that those two worlds are related because of element zero slash lyrium being like the same thing basically there's that and then how you can find the orc i call it an orc every time but it's not um you can find a dark spawn in mass effect and you find a krogan in dragon age i know realistically it's probably just the studio being like teehee here's an easter egg for our other ip but like I want to read too much into it. <laughs> I mean, why not, though? I mean, you totally can't... Well, um, because then that would mean that dwarves and elves existed on Earth. It doesn't have to be the same timeline. It could be the same universe and just a different multiverse thing. Oh. Oh, yeah, because Theodos doesn't have to be on Earth. Duh. Mm-mm. No. If Reapers can hang out in deep space and like (gasps) 
come through and like anything can be possible. Plus if you saw that, did you see that Netflix documentary about the multiverse and how it's like literally has to be true? It blew my mind. Uh, no, I haven't, but I think I just figured out a way to, I figured out a way to tie everything together. Okay. So the Protheans came to earth, uh, during the Cro-Magnon time. Now we know that he implanted a, a listening device or a visual device into one of them, uh, through the side quest that you get on Alitania. Now, who's to say that the Protheans didn't take some humans with them, like, and just bring them to another hospitable planet? And then now, oh, a planet that already had elves and dwarves on it. And so then they dropped the humans in. And now Theodis is a completely different planet in a completely different galaxy, but it still has humans. And those humans have had 50,000 years to evolve and do all the things. And that is how we have Dragon Age, Mass Effect. It's all because of the Protheans. Yeah, it could be. It could be the Protheans. Who's to say that... It's not the other way around, and it's like we already know that Dragon Age gods exist, and the Deventer Magisters exist. What if Elgernon is just a Prothean, or what if they like exist in a separate veil area or something? You know, I know they say Fenharel made the veil and all that, but like, where do the Forbidden Ones live? They don't live any in those places. They live in the Abyss. Mm. What if the Forbidden Ones are Reapers? Who knows? Ah, the Forbidden Ones being Reapers. Okay. <laughs> I just meant, like, they exist in different, like, planes of existence, those gods. Oh, yeah. And we know, we already know that there's multiple planes of existence in Dragon Age, so it could follow that there is one where the Milky Way for Mass Effect exists. We don't know. It could be real. Yep. All right. I think on that is a good place for us to wrap up the episode for the night. As I have said today... I am Austin, otherwise known as Teacup, but also splitting a personality to Genesis. <laughs> uh, you can find me in our Two Girls One Ship chat on the Robots Radio Discord. I hang out in there and in the Cyberpunk Lorecast channel and also in the Dragon Age Lorecast channel. I hang out in a lot of different places on the Robots Radio Discord, also on Twitter. You can find me anywhere on the internet. And I'm Vervada, the girl who is also Shelby, a.k.a. SheCup. And you can find me in our Discord, too. Although, I must admit, a lot less reliably than you can find Genesis. <laughs> I am an introvert. I am the extrovert. <laughs> With our powers combined. <laughs> we shall rule both Theodos and the Milky Way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know what power I need to acquire to make Solus love me, but I will do it. Uh, get a bigger anchor. All right. So, as always, thanks for listening. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I just thought he could tear down my veil any day. That's bad. <laughs> I know. That's why I couldn't hold in the laugh. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, don't look at me, I'll make it worse. <laughs> okay. Uh, ooh. Stay safe on the deep roads. It's a good outro. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, I love you, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. 
If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at dalorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. Hello, Vault Dwellers. Join me, Jax's sassy lady Romer, Eric, and the creator, Maverick, as we take topics from the Fallout universe and discuss them with other diverse individuals. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter, or X, or whatever you want to call it, using at FalloutRTV. You can send us an email using FalloutRTV at gmail.com. Join us. The conversation has already started.